You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Fly in the Call, Candid Conversations on Music. This is a special episode because the podcast now has some amazing artwork courtesy of Michaela Jane Palermo, which I was blown away by when I received the finished product. You'll also hopefully notice a major improvement in the audio quality of the interviews starting with this episode. This week is especially special because not only is it the first full band interview for the show, but I'm also stoked to be bringing you a new song from our guests. Out of Service has their roots in the early 2000s pop punk and emo scenes, but since reunited in 2016, they've been steadily expanding their sound. Their second full-length, Burden, will be out later this year, and is a dark alt-rock record that has the band experimenting in some really cool ways. I'm excited to bring you a fly-on-the-call first listen to the new single from Burden, called Stories. So let's roll the theme song, get right into the track, and then on to the interview.
for the podcast, could I just have you guys do a quick intro of yourself so listeners can kind of help uh, separate your voices? Yeah, so I'm Teebs. Um As you referred, I emailed you as Brian, but everyone calls me Teebs, and uh, I play guitar in the band, and uh, yeah, Brian? Uh, I'm Brian, and I, uh, I play bass in the band. Uh, hi, my name is Mike, and I am the singer. And my name is Ken, and or Kenny, and I play drums. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the new single, Stories. And I was actually like really excited when, I, when Deanna first sent me the link over, and I clicked on the Dropbox link, and I saw the just like the waveform of it. Um, I really loved the look of the way it like builds throughout the song. Um, and the song itself delivered a lot on that, especially like as far as the dynamics goes and also the lyrics. Um, could you tell me a little bit about the song and how that came together? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I can tell you, this is Mike. I can tell you, um, lyrically, the song is basically about my personal time in group therapy. Um, so that song is centered around that, is centered around um, kind of like the stories from the people I've met and um, the things that they experienced and how we all kind of, we all kind of found like a common ground to um, to relate to one another. And when we started writing this album, our drummer Kenny came to me, he said he wanted a lot of songs that kind of felt like they built organically. So that was like, this was kind of a seed for that type of sound that we were going for, like more of like maybe less conventional song structure, but more like organic, you know, kind of, type builds that we uh, worked into this new album. There's this uh, song and it's not even like a band that I'm really that into, but uh, I think Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, isn't that their name? What's There's there's a song that they have that just like, is this really, really steady build the whole thing, whole way through. And um, we didn't like rip that song at all in, in the album. But I think just that idea of just having this steady build throughout the song, we, we just really wanted to, create some moments in the album where we, where we did that uh, and, and really think through how we could, how we could have those moments where it wasn't just kind of the conventional verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, you know, that conventional build, but, but it was more of that gradual crescendo throughout the song. Right. The song really doesn't have verses or choruses. It's really just, it's it's just the song. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think like dynamics in an album are something that's like so important to me. So I, I definitely really appreciate that. And it makes sense you saying it um, kind of like coming, trying to make it happen organically. I, I definitely think that comes through. And I, I know on um, on stories, there's the guest vocalist with uh, Madeline Finn from Envoy. And I was doing a quick like Google search of them. And it seems like they kind of recently just came back from a hiatus, kind of similar to what you guys did a couple of years ago. Um, could you talk a little bit about how that came to be? So we met her at my bachelor party last August. Um, we were at what, the Great Lakes Burning River Music Festival. And... Um, her band, the Whiskey Hollow, happened to be performing, and uh, we were like really floored by their performance. So um, Kenny went and found what their manager or something afterwards. Yeah, like, I, I forget. I forget who I talked to. I think it might have been one of the one of the members of the band. Yeah, we pretty much decided we weren't going to leave the festival until we had a chance to talk to them to try to get them to come to New Jersey and play with us, yeah. <laughs> which we did do, and 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 we did set that show up, and then Madeline ended up coming to play. Um, 
and then the relationship kind of kept going from there and, and we asked her to be on the album and you know she accepted right away and things actually moved really quickly and we yeah. were really happy with how it turned out she she did an incredible performance mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah and um i'm always curious to know about like guest features whether they were kind of like pre-written by the band um or was it something like she came in and kind of added her own kind of flair and stuff well when the song was written it was only written as having one vocalist initially yeah right? initially it was. and um and then we kind of we're thinking about what was the best song. We knew we wanted to have Madeline be a part of the record. And we wanted to, we were trying to think of what was the best song. And this one seemed like a natural fit where there could have been, you know, dual vocals going on. And, and Mike kind of put together a roadmap of what that would sound like, but we didn't know exactly what her parts were going to sound like until we, until we received the stems from, from the studio. And I, I guess you kind of said like this was a good fit. I think that definitely makes sense, especially with like kind of the theme of like the stories and like every kind of talking about like different people's experiences and stuff. So I think, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I know you guys did an Indiegogo both for this album and for the last one. Could you tell me a little about about that process? <laughs> well, I kind of, uh, this is Kenny, and I kind of headed that up and it's always so nerve wracking when you go live with those because you're like, you know, will people buy into our project? Will people be excited? Uh, and you know, will the perks be meaningful for people where they feel like they're actually getting value for, for, you know, contributing to the campaign. So, uh, yeah, both, both times, you know, different people have had different experiences with this, but we really were just blown away by the response and by the amount of people who got involved. And it's really a cool way to connect. We did a uh, beer tasting, and in that beer tasting, both for both albums, we match beers and pair beers with the songs. So we explain how the beer relates to the song and, and why we picked that beer. Then we talk about the song and the writing process. And everybody who comes into that experience is able to get to preview the album with us. So, you know, everybody that, that came actually heard the album already, uh, you know, months before it's released release so that was that, that's a really cool time to connect with people and, and really build excitement uh so anybody else have anything on that i'll admit when we did the second indiegogo i was concerned that we weren't going to be able to raise enough because we i mean we had a more um aggressive budget for this album than we did for the last one we wanted to do some more uh, interesting things and you know we what did we double what we did last yeah. time i mean yeah. we, Over we were blown away and we're so thankful to everyone who uh, you know, who participated in that with us. We, it really meant a lot. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I was impressed, like looking between the two and like you said, like seeing the kind of the difference in that. And it, it definitely seems like you guys have like a really like passionate, like keyed in fan base. Um, how did that kind of start to form? I think it's building community and Teebs is really great at that. So I'll let him talk about that. But we, we built community both locally and you know just through the shows and the bands that we played with and then online we had a huge community that that kind of teams connected with yeah i'm i spend some time on a website course.fm um and luckily we were able to connect with a lot of people who um you know gave our gave our music a chance that maybe they wouldn't have found it otherwise so um a lot of great people over on that you know in that community and um we're very grateful for everyone who has listened to us over there. Yeah, and even Teeps, like you've connected with people just at random shows, talking to them yeah, about the band yeah, too. And yeah. we've built a lot of people that way. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's really right. It's always nice when 
you know, bands kind of like put that effort in to make those connections with the fans. And I, I mean, I really think it just makes it so much better in the long run. Like I, I love being that kind of fan that's able to feel that connection with a band. And you got, you mentioned like wanting to do more and um, kind of like being more aggressive as far as like the funding of the album. And I know you, you did like, I think you mentioned there, there were like three separate producers and you know, different, you had a much different recording process than last time. Um, could you talk a little bit about how that came together? Yeah. So when we did morning, um, you know, we, we did everything pretty much ourselves as far as recording goes. Uh, all the guitars were done at home. The bass were done at home. We record Kenny's drums in his basement on our own equipment. Um, and you know, uh, you know, uh, Nathan Hussey who, who mixed morning and, and, uh, bird in the new album. Um, he had to kind of with morning, he kind of had to work with what we gave him. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're not professional sound engineers, yeah. but we did our best. Uh, and, we, and we're proud of what came out of that project. But uh, this time we wanted to, we wanted to go to uh, studios. We wanted to work with professional sound engineers and we did that. Um, we, we went to a studio called SRG, right. Mm -hmm. uh, for drums. We went to a studio in Pennsylvania Midley Grange. called Midley Range. I actually still recorded and engineered the bass parts myself because that's kind of, you know, you go direct typically and that's the easiest to do. It saved us a little bit of money. And then Mike and, and Teebs flew down to Alabama to record vocals and begin the mixing process with Nathan, Nathan Hussey down there. Um, so we had to, we had to account for the tr that travel cost and all sorts of other costs that we didn't have to deal with for morning. So we knew we were going to have to raise more money and then we did. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll say in terms of like just production value too, you know, that that's the engineering side that those are the studios that we went to, but we really listened to a lot of different bands and kind of researched where they recorded, found stuff that we we're really into. And mm -hmm. then that's how we kind of picked the studios that we went to for the different instruments. So like, I was listening to this local band who recorded their their drums at SRG, and I was like, "Man, those drums just just kill it." So uh, so we went went there, and um, Sean there, you know, is just great with production. Uh, he, you know, there were a couple times we're like, "I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do," and he really <laughs> guided us through it and and helped us kind of trust our intuition. Whereas before, when we were recording at home, you know, and we would get stuck, it would just turn into this huge thing, and you know. The, the results, you know, we'd get so much more stressed out and um, we'd get there, but it was just a lot more difficult. And, and Mike can talk about the production process on vocals, especially yeah, with uh, uh, Nathan from, from All Get Out. Yeah, I mean, we definitely wouldn't have been able to do half the things that we, we ended up doing without um, raising as much we, as we did with the Indiegogo. Because um, I never thought I would fly down to Alabama to go to Nathan Hussey's <laughs> house and record locally with him. Um, it was definitely an interesting um, process. Um, it made things go a lot smoother than when it was morning because there was just so much back and forth. I would record something, send it to Nathan, have to wait for feedback. He'd send the feedback back. I'd have to record again. At least this time, since he was right in front of us, I mean, it, it just went so smoothly and so fast. Like we just got to work and then it, before I know it, it was just all done. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's really interesting how sometimes kind of like, you know, you think like the independence and doing it on your own, like how that seems like sometimes this could be the best idea to do. But, um, you know, sometimes like you mentioned, like getting stuck, it's really nice to have that kind of separate influence of, of someone that you also really trust and connect with. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and we we tried to put our trust in, in the people that we worked with uh, this time 
very much. If they told us something was going to work, we, we tended to believe them. So it made for a better product at the end, I think. Yeah, and um, you mentioned that Nathan had done um, the mixing and mastering on Morning. Um, can you talk a little bit about how like that relationship started and how it's evolved over time? He actually uh, also did our EP. Um, basically, I was on. I was. A, I'm a fan of All Get Out. I was on their website, and we needed someone to mix our EP. And he had like a little like blurb on his website. Hey, you know, I do mixing. Hit me up. So I sent him an email. Um, and they were happening. Uh, he was playing a solo show in Philly, like a week or two after I emailed him. He said, "Let's meet up in Philly." So we met up. We talked, and you know, he just seemed like a really good fit for us. Where like he was really someone who would really work hard for you. And, uh, you know, that's definitely true. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we do work him pretty hard. We work him hard. <laughs> and, and he's, he's amazing. We recommend him to yeah. like every band. Anybody, yeah. Anybody says, Hey, we're recording an album. You know, do you have any suggestions? We, we recommend him without reservation. I mean, uh, and, and it was awesome. We, we got to play a show with all get out, uh, was last that a week, week ago? Yeah. yeah. Last week we so it's just, here. you know, it's just a great, great relationship to have, you know, we, we kind of look, look to Nathan as like a mentor and also as, you know, a, a friend too, I think at this point, uh, because he's, he's just come alongside of us as a band and, and invested so heavily into us. And, and it's just been a great relationship. Yeah, we, I mean, we've literally been working with him for three years now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's basically what the fifth band member. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or sixth band member. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really awesome to hear. I feel like either a lot of bands you see going to like a different engineer and producer, or like every album, and then you see some that kind of like stick with the same all the time. It's really interesting to kind of like hear the differences in opinions and, um, like it's it's awesome when bands kind of have are able to find that person that um, like really gets them and form that connection. And every time, I mean, in every process we've gone through with Nathan's been completely different. He keeps I mean, getting better. He, 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 his his you know his uh, with our EP. I mean, you know that he, was, gets, he upgrades equipment. Like every yeah, time, every so time like, we do a new project, he yeah. seems to get new equipment. We, <laughs> I mean, with this record, um, this is the first time we we dealt with analog mixing um, and. Uh, we actually, we had a whole mix of the album in the beginning of August and, and then, and, and mastered. And then he got some, he got some new analog equipment and wanted to try it out and asked us if we would be interested in trying it out. And then we ended up with a whole new re mix. We remixed completely the remixed the album uh, oh, wow. over the next couple of weeks from there. And we, I mean, you know, we had to dig into our budget a little bit more and that, but it, it, I think, for the showed, most part, the difference, showed. The difference yeah, yeah. showed. I mean, the sound uh, really opened up, I think. And um, and then at the end of that process, we ended up taking our mastering uh, for the first time out, out, out of house with uh, Nathan to Voodoo Studios, um, who, who took it from there. So With Frank. With Frank, Frank from, from Voodoo, Voodoo. yeah. Nice. Yeah, so like, what was that, um, like the process of remixing it? Like how much... Um, what was, how did that kind of go? It was, it it was, was really rough. stressful. So I, I, I was at a Kohl's and he texts me. He's like, dude, I got the analog summer. I just used it on, on an album. Um, what do you think about giving, giving your album another shot? And we were like, uh. And we were, and, and don't get us wrong. We were really happy with the final yeah. masters that we had. Um, but, you know, he sent us one song, uh, it's actually a song that's going to be the second single Ash. and he, he sent that to us and we were just kind of like, wow, this sounds a lot different. And we 
from there, we just went down the rabbit hole. And um, it led to some arguments on our end about different things because, you know, there's always some things at the end of a process where you're like, oh, maybe I would have done that a little differently. Well, now we had the chance. Uh, yeah. but, but we didn't always agree on what those different things should have been. But at the end of the day, I think we ended up with a better album. It, it has, there was more headroom. It, yeah. it, had, it was more spatial the way, uh, the way that it sounds when you're listening to it. And um, I don't know, we're just, we're really thankful that Nathan took the time to do that with us because we, you know, we think it worked out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, now maybe like five years down the road, you can end up doing like the original mix versus the remix and do some special reissues and stuff. <laughs> I have it downloaded on my computer. So. I, I have the old message. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always nice when bands are able to archive, archive that stuff. And um, even if it just ends up leaking out little by little, it's, it's really interesting to see that process. We have tons of yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. and, and we did all the, we did demos, full demos for all of the songs too. Where, where, and that was the real difference between this album and the last one. We, we brought all of the recording equipment into the room, into our rehearsal space, and we recorded every song, each part, mixed it, and redid a few, redid everything like multiple times to really get things to sit where we wanted them to. So we have that whole full set of demos as well. So we'll have lots of uh, besides stuff to release someday. Mike, how many times did you, how many times did you demo the vocals for the album? I think I did them at least four times. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And they were, and, and they were different every and time. Then, but in the end, like they ended up completely they different. Nathan got it. <laughs> well, yeah, Nathan. Yeah. Once Nathan got to me, I we did a lot of I stuff. Think a lot of the melodies stayed the same, though, right? Yeah, it was the a lot melodies, of the backing, but we had a ton of that. Yeah, yeah, it changed yeah. a lot of harmonies and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really cool when you kind of that you had the time to kind of scrupulously like go over each part so many times. Yeah, it, I think it definitely helped with the the process for sure. Because with morning, I remember we were writing while we were recording, and that was not fun. I don't think it was not fun. And it wasn't fun for it wasn't efficient um, until but like at least this time when we we decided to go to the studios we had we'd had these parts written for a while and we had worked them into songs for a while so i think it, the process just went that much more smoothly yeah like i i remember with morning like there are a couple places where like i was like man if i had more time to like digest stuff i could have been more fills i could have done like some different things that we really were able to do on this album because when I went into the studio, everything was written for the most part. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, it was really just enhancing some of those pieces. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I feel like from the EP to the first LP, there was kind of like a transition from more of like a pop punkier sound to kind of like an alt rockish type. Um, and then now from Morning to Burden, it's like even kind of like darker and like more experimental. Um, can you talk about how that uh, kind of change in sound came to be? Yeah, um, it, it really wasn't intentional. We just kind of started writing uh, darker songs. <laughs> And yes. uh, Mike had a story for the album. Yeah, so the, the album is a con it is a concept. Yeah, yeah. it's a concept um, record. Yeah. I mean, we also, you know, we we wrote the songs together this time too, yeah. and I think that I don't know that that had something to do with the darker tone, but it definitely had something to do with with how the structure came out on the songs and and just overall the overall sound of the record for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think too, as as we were demoing stuff, it just this was just the direction that we were going in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, 
as we were writing things, this is just what came out. And, you know, I, I think that, I don't know if it's just the mood of kind of where we all are at, uh, in, in our lives <laughs> or just, uh, <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, and, and, and like Teebs mentioned kind of the concept that we had. So we were kind of exploring some of kind of the darker, like corners of, of life, you know what I mean? Whereas I think morning was kind of this mix of like, kind of peaks and valleys this was more just kind of an, an adventure into like what are kind of some of some of the the tougher pieces that that people deal with and how can we like express those and also kind of come alongside people in their struggles and say like you're not alone uh while also kind of living there a little bit more than we did in, in past albums with with kind of that darkness i don't know with like you know it's does that explain kind of yeah. some of the concepts? I mean, the the entire album, I don't know, I mean, tough time a while, a while ago and went through some stuff. Um, but it was never my intention for all these songs to like just purely just be about me and that's it. Like I I always try to make sure that the lyrics and everything stays accessible to as many people as possible so that they can relate to it however they can. Right, right, so exactly. I think, I think we actually, we succeeded pretty well on that yeah and that's that kind of like balance of that darkness yeah but also like coming alongside people and saying like this can be like leaving it open so yeah. it could be anybody's story oh yeah yeah like you're not alone everybody everybody's got a story and you know it's it's just sometimes it's nice to hear yeah. from somebody else that they're going through stuff too yeah so it's kind of like equally personal as it is kind of like overarching oh yeah <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's definitely kind of like a branching out, um, both vocally with some, kind of some rougher vocals. And then, um, it's like kind of more like ryth rhythmically diverse. I feel like there's almost more of a focus on, um, some of the instrumentals and there's, I know it's like a lot of the outros were kind of like jammy and stuff. So it makes sense that you kind of mentioned, um, that you wrote this more together um, this time. Uh, could you talk a little bit about those um, kind of changes? Yeah, I mean, I think with with those rhythmic pieces, a lot of that came from us kind of stripping down the songs. I think in the last album, we were really focused on like having lots of transitions and like I was playing like two or three different drum beats in you know almost every chorus of the songs that were on that album and i think like guitars like teeps can speak to that but you know a lot a lot busier a lot more kind of that like no like, like that chunky like um still that kind of like pop punk influence like yeah. guitars and stuff this yeah. one right right we wanted to kind of give a ton of space and i think that's where kind of that more rhythmic feel comes through because there's more more space to kind of feel it, you know what I mean, and feel the rhythm, and um, you know a lot out of the the busier like sixteenth notes and eight, eighth note stuff that's kind of like all over the place on the last album, which which we liked. Um, you know, we, we were trying to strip that away so you could really just get to that essence of that that rhythm at the core of of what we were doing. Yeah, I, I mean, when I was putting my parts together and um, <clears throat> when we were writing as a as a band of practice and everything, I was really focused on honing in on on Kenny's drum parts and really making the bass and the drums lock yeah. because we were really more focused on having the bass and the drums kind of drive these songs rather than just heavy guitars driving the songs. Um, mm -hmm. It's really, 
it's it's most noticeable in the first song on the record on, on Threshold. It's also in stories as well in in, in the single. Um, and I, I think that that's that's kind of the more rhythmic, the more uh, I guess locked in rhythmic feels you're 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 getting when you listen to the record. Um, but then we kind of built on top of that. So that was that was kind of the idea. I feel like it's more impactful when you have when you hold back and then let yourself go, <laughs> rather than our last album. A lot of the songs were just go 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 go. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this album was like, let's wait until the end to get big, or you know, let's you know, let's not put a hundred guitars on this chorus. Let's just let the two stereo guitars drive the rhythm and you know, wait hold back on that like those you know those giant walls so that was like definitely intentional and it was definitely um you know our right. goal was to create more space to lock in those rhythms better and so as far as for the, as far as the outros go i mean uh, uh, more of the songs have outros than i think we initially planned on having outros yeah. you know we would be writing certain parts uh and at the time we you know when we're just kind of formulating these demos, we weren't sure that whether there were going to be vocals there or not. And then it kind of came about again, kind of organically as we were going through the process of let's just leave this wide open. I mean, and then there's other songs like chemicals, which has an extremely long instrumental outro, but it's, it's got that saxophone feature um, mm -hmm. that I think is pretty special on the album kind of smack dab in the middle. Um, we, we wanted to kind of do a little bit more experimental things like that as well. So mm -hmm. Yeah, that that sax so, uh, solo at the end of um, that song really stood out to me. It actually uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, I can't remember which song it is, but on the most recent um, Runaway Brother album, they have kind of not like similar, but just kind of like equally sort of like chaotic, like distorted, just kind of like jamming. Um, and it's, I really love it in both of those songs. <laughs> Thanks. That's my uh, cousin on sax there. So shout out to Bill Kahn. Yeah, we actually got to play that song live with him at our show with All Get Out last week. And it's probably a song we're not going to get to play live a lot. So it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and how was like the, the fan reaction to it? Oh, they loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a crowd pleaser. We were getting texts and stuff about that song like, yeah. after the show. Was, yeah, everybody was just going crazy. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd imagine it's pretty hard to dislike a sax solo in the middle of a rock right, show. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, yeah. it was special. You got to you got to at the very least respect the band for bringing it out. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. um an album by a band called Kara Kara, um Summer Megalith and um <clears throat> they have a song on that album that has like this epic sax solo. So that was kind of an influence as well. I was like, "Oh, you know, it'd be really cool to have like our version of that you know yeah and i think something this whole album that we were thinking about like last album we didn't really have any auxiliary instruments and we really felt like that was a missing piece of the puzzle uh to really kind of get to that next level and to get to those rhythmic you know some of the that kind of what you talked about in terms of that differentiation between the last album and this one so you know i added a ton of aux percussion we did like Jingle bells, we did tambourine, sleigh bells, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we did tambourine, we did shaker, we did all kinds of other like percussion. We have flute in this album, we have sax, we have synth, we have synth, and we didn't have any of those extra layers on the last album. So I think that that's something that's really 
it, it doesn't, it's not always in your face, but it just adds a level of texture to this album that really helps it, you know, kind of push those limits of, of what we were hoping to do. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting how that kind of, um, you were able, you took like the less is more route on like the core instrumentals and that kind of allowed you to have the space to have the, the auxiliary stuff to breathe. And it almost is kind of mirrors the way you recorded in a way where you were, you know, able to do it in person. So it kind of went a lot smoother and it was almost like kind of that less is more mentality again. Um, and it's interesting that you talked about um, spending like a lot of the time getting like the bass and drums locked together. I was actually talking to uh, Shane told from Silverstein yesterday about um, a shipwreck in the sand. It's the, their 10 year anniversary. And that's like my favorite album of theirs. And they mentioned that that was like one of the things they tried really hard to do um, for that album as well. So it's really interesting that that's come up twice in two conversations. <laughs> I love that record. It's uh, I, it, I think I just bought the vinyl a couple months ago for that one. And it's, it's a hard hitter for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's definitely my favorite of theirs. <laughs> uh, I know I, I had read, um, I'm not sure when it was from, but you did like a new noise piece a while ago about kind of bringing into the fact that you had your the hiatus slash breakup and then kind of came back together with, the quote unquote like new music industry. And um, you kind of like mentioned that the biggest change for you was kind of like the potential of the music and the fact that now you can reach anyone in the world really easily. And that's kind of what makes it worth it. Um, could you expand on that? Uh, like that idea just a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it was really funny. We were just talking about how one of, one of our songs off of our EP, somebody like there's, a number of people in Australia listening to it right now. It like bumped up to our top five on Spotify and almost all the players are from Australia and all from different people. So it's just, it's amazing how, you know, something comes up in a Spotify playlist, somebody finds it and you're like, you know, people across the planet, literally on the other side of the globe are listening to your stuff. And that wouldn't have happened when we were coming up in high school. You know what I mean? Unless we were like randomly, you know, paying $50 to send our CDs <laughs> <laughs> to Australia to random people. <laughs> I don't think we had much of a chance, you know, other than, you know, getting signed to a major label of getting people in in that context to listen to us. So it's just, you know, I think that's one small example of just how much more connected things are now than they were when, when you know, we were in high school, just you know, making music and, and cutting records. Yeah, selling, selling them out of the uh, trunk of our car and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it's really cool how that, like you said, how that is possible. And especially for, I feel like, um, bands on the kind of like more indie level who are doing it just as much for the passion as anything else. Just like I said, like the idea of being able to reach those people. It's definitely like a special thing. And I'm I'm curious, uh, going back to like the kind of hiatus and stuff, uh, was there ever a time like any of you kind of stopped playing music individually or was it a constant throughout your lives? I I, I kept playing music when um even after I was uh even after we broke up. Um I Well teeps I have a master's degree in <laughs> classical performance, so on guitar. <laughs> I so mean, I kind of uh have been playing a lot my whole life so it never <laughs> I mean when I, I shifted the my focus went away from rock music for a while to jazz and classical but I'm happy to be back I mean I <laughs> I, I, I stopped playing bass because I was alone um 
for a while. I mean, when I was in law school, I don't think I ever took my bass out one, even one time. Uh, but I still played acoustic and I would play, play, I played guitar and I played open mic, you know, it's just to, just to get out there and, and, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it sort of thing. But, um, Hmm. but yeah, I, I didn't, I don't think I picked up my bass again until, until we decided to, until we decided to get the band back together. I was, uh, yeah, I, I was in a number of bands between when we broke up and I played drums I played bass. I played some guitar. Mostly drums. I screamed in a band for a little bit. Kenny left us a little earlier than the rest of us left. Yeah. I left 2003. And I think you guys stopped in like 2004, 2005. We went all the way to like seven. seven. Uh, Mike Mike dropped out in 2005, right? Six. 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 Okay. We were in college. Yeah. Right. In college, yeah. That phone call. Yeah. We don't we don't talk about dark times. <laughs> that's that's why this yeah this album's all about that. That's why it's so dark. <laughs> it's just all based on one phone call and, and uh, it's not that that's not true. <laughs> uh, and and how did it sort of come together when you guys decided to uh, like reunite? Uh, so I I Facebook messaged uh, everyone in the band um, and I was just like, hey guys, like I'm bored. <laughs> um, I start playing music again because like we were all settling d- down in jobs and we we're all in the area and it just made sense it's like I like had a kind of like I fell in love with the rock music again and I was like I had gone away from it for so long that when I started like really getting back into it, it was like I really want to play again and I started writing stuff and then uh so when I sent the Facebook message I thought for sure no way they were going to say yes but I mean, I hadn't talked to Mike in like, like 10 years. It had been a long time. And uh, he, everyone was like right on board right away. They were just like, let's do it. Yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> we... Um, Kenny didn't think it was real. Well, I didn't, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I didn't think it was real. I, I thought we'd just together. Whoa, whoa, just for context, Teebs used to chase cop cars with with kegs of root beer <laughs> and do big keg stands with them. <laughs> So he's a little bit of a prankster. He's a prankster. So uh, I, I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest though. When 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 Brian sent me the message, I mean, I I agreed to it immediately, and I thought we you know we get together, we jam a little bit, and that would probably be it. If you would have asked me back then if I thought we'd be you know doing a podcast with you about our third release in three years, I would have thought you know you're crazy. So it's, it's definitely been more. It's been more of a time commitment, and and definitely we put more passion into this than I. I thought we ever would have, um, but it, it's become a huge part of our lives again. And we're really thankful for that. You're here. That, that's definitely like, that's really awesome. Um, and, and you mentioned kind of like falling out of love with like rock music for a bit. Um, how has kind of like your listening habits changed between the reunion, the EP, the album and this album, uh, especially, I know you mentioned kind of like listening to a lot of different stuff as inspirations for the album. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, this is Teeves on guitar. Um, I listen to pretty much any major release in rock music now. Um, I and just minor, lots of minor releases, too. lots of minor <laughs> releases, yeah. But you know, anything that's being kind of hyped on the alternative or uh, you know, chorus FM or any of those, and you know, for me, there's a lot, a wide range. Um, like I just fell in love with that new microwave album, I think it's absolutely oh, so incredible. Good. Yeah, it's That's, absolutely it's, it's yeah, baller, next yeah, level for, for sure. sure. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just, and you know, anything that I see that comes out and there's still stuff even from high school, like bands are still kicking around that I still love listening to. And uh, 
Dashboard just announced uh, a tour that they're going to be playing their second album, and I'm really excited for that. So, yeah, how about you guys? I I mean, I was listening to rock music, I think, throughout. And like I said, I was playing lots of different bands, different instruments. But I think the one thing I did get kind of like stuck in a rut where I was listening to the same bands for years and years. And, you know, maybe I'd pick up like one or two new albums, but I wouldn't, I would like definitely not have an album of the year list uh, mm-hmm. up until we started playing again. And now like every, every year I'm discovering like 20, 30 new albums and listening to them all, you know, enjoying them all and, and really thinking about the different aspects of them and, and, you know, what makes them special. So I don't, Mike, how about you? Um, well, I, I kept listening to a lot of rock music in college, but for some reason after college, I guess since I lost access to other people that would give me recommendations, um, I kind of, yeah, I kind of fell out and it's like, I would listen to the old stuff or old stuff. There's just stuff that I had forever until um, I reconnected with Teves. And I mean, nowadays, like he, just, send he sends me a new day. album. Yeah, yeah. So on our Slack channel, we have an album recommendations. It's uh, just Teves making it. It's just Teves, like every day we get like three or four, like listen to this album, listen to that song. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I work a lot um, and I don't, I don't get to listen to music for pleasure as much as I would like to, but I pretty much just check out whatever Teeps tells me to check out. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much how I find anything that I listen to. We know, like, definitely listen to it if he recommends it more than three times. Yeah, yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, once, just, like, check out a couple songs. Yeah. Twice, if he recommends it twice, listen to the album through. If he recommends it three times, listen to it at least like five times. Or, or the if he album mentions he that he bought really tickets to their show the day that the album came out. Or the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. I've been for microwave. What? I probably hit you up four or five times. Yes, like, yeah. I was like, like, all right, I got to listen to this album sure all the way through, <laughs> like serious listening, not just in the car. Yeah. And I did. Like, I'm in love with it now. Yeah, it's it's awesome. my, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's really rad, like having someone who like that in your life who's able to kind of like push you to expand your tastes and everything and uh, um i know microwave i saw that they put up like a limited edition special like screen printed cover or whatever of the album and i was like so mad that i missed it It was like out of 100 it sold out in like less than an hour i think (laughs) yeah i missed it too i was bummed (laughs) by the time i checked it was it was gone yeah yeah i'm such a sucker for like alternative artwork it's probably like one of my favorite things about collecting vinyl. <laughs> we're putting out a vinyl. Yeah, we're excited. We're, we're, <laughs> For our, the first time. First time, yeah. We're, our new, this new record will be pressed. It's a good segue. Um, by, uh, what, Little, is it Little Elephant? Little Elephant. Little Elephant. Oh, Rad. Yes. Yeah, Little, little Elephant's awesome. So, yeah, we're definitely uh, excited to have at least that option, you know, for this time around. So, yeah. All right, here we are, about to wrap up the interview. Before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to another podcast I enjoy. This week, I'd like to feature The E-Word, the official podcast of the Emo subreddit. You might know them from the incredibly in-depth interview they recently did with Christian Holden of The Hotelier on the album Home Like No Place Is There. Another great feature they do is the yearly E-Word freshman class, where they highlight the best new bands. It's actually where I found out about Proper, the guest on episode one of this show, when they were still known as Great White. Other episodes of The E-Word feature plenty of interviews and other great discussion to help you stay connected to the scene, so please check them out. I I like to end by kind of asking what is either like a piece of advice or kind of like an interesting observation that you've had lately on your mind, either about like music specifically or just like life in general. 
All right. Well, um, as I said earlier, like a while ago, I went through some stuff. Uh, but in the process of going through that stuff, I learned a lot about myself as a person. Um, and I, I came to the realization that I need to change my, my expectations of myself and what I think life should be and try to really enjoy what life actually is for me at this moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, I, I fell more in love with music, like doing music. I fell more in love with doing photography and I discovered a love of painting. Um, and all of these things, like they probably wouldn't have held this much importance to me if I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through. Um, and I think um, sometimes you need to go through a tough time to, you know, like really find out what's important in your life. Yeah. And I just want to say Mike's an amazing painter. He actually painted our cover for this album. And, yeah, he painted uh, the art, yeah. What is it? Your Instagram, Consume Paint? Consume Paint. Yeah, it's, he's got some incredible, <laughs> incredible stuff up, up there. Yeah. This is Kenny. I would say for me, just like everybody has their own path. Um, you know, all of us when, you know, whether it's this band or just generally in life, like all of us went completely different directions after high school. Uh, and, you know, we, we went in so many different ways and we had so many different and varied experiences, but we can all come back together and play music and make art together. And, you know, I think that's a, a, a lesson for like life. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you come in and out of people's lives and, you know, there, there's so many different, different peaks and valleys that you go through. Uh, but everybody has their own, their own direction that they need to go. So, you know, for me, that's, that's kind of a big piece that I've been thinking about lately uh, as I've been trying to raise two kids now and, um, you know, just, just live life in community with other people. You miss 99% of the shots you don't take. That's, that's Michael Scott, right? Michael Scott, no. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, Peeves boy. <laughs> and now, another episode of Fly on the Call comes to an end. If you enjoyed it, and I hope you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hit up Apple Podcasts for a rate and review, and let me know if you have any feedback. Thanks so much to Out of Service for taking the time to chat and letting us premiere the first song on their sophomore album. Definitely keep your ear to the ground for Burn-In later this year. A special thank you to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. Follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at flyonthecallpod, and feel free to reach out to me there or via email at flyonthecallpod at gmail.com. Remember to check the socials on Monday for a hint at the next episode's guest. I have a lot of fun coming up with the clues, and the first person to guess right will hear the episode early. Thanks so much for your time and support. Reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Down! The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P R O H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.